So last Sunday, um, when I was telling you guys I'm going to be preaching in Revelation this week, and Kenny came up to me and said, Elizabeth wanted to sing the Revelation song this morning, but we already had something planned, so I asked her if she could sing it next week, and that was before Kenny even knew I was going to be preaching in Revelation. And so God works those kind of things out. And I hope you were paying attention to the lyrics of the song she just sang, because a lot of those lyrics, word for word, we're going to see this morning, because we are going to be in the book of Revelation, and we are looking at this book, and and this is what John wrote. Uh, John was a follower of Jesus, the same John that wrote um, the gospel, according to John, and the letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And here he is, he's an old man by this time, and he has been exiled on the island of Patmos, and he is, um, well, you're going to hear about how this came to him, because we're going to look at a few of the verses in the introduction before we move on. And what we're going to do this morning is we're just going to begin a survey of Revelation, and we're going to do this quickly. This is not going to be like a 10-week series, this is going to be today, and then next week, we're going to look at it a little bit and close this out and lead into the Lord's Supper that we will be having together next week. And so um, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to Revelation chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 1. Uh, but I want to make sure that you realize um, that we, we will be doing a lot of reading this morning. And so if, if you aren't comfortable reading along in your translation as I'm reading, and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, then feel free just to listen. That's going to be fine. Or the words will be on the screen. Uh, or if you're comfortable with reading along in your translation as I'm reading along in mine, then feel free to do that. I just wanted to give you a heads up that there will be a lot of reading. But a lot of reading doesn't mean boring. Because some of these passages that we are going to be reading are some of the most exciting passages in all of Scripture. Because this is going to be looking at uh, heaven. It could be happening right now. It could be happening 2,000 years from now. We don't know. Um, We're to live as if it's happening now that Jesus is about to return any moment. And uh, we're to hope for the sake of those around us that uh, he continues to be patient for their sake. Um, But when Christ returns, he knows the, or God the Father knows the moment when that will be. And it is going to be in perfect timing. It's not going to to be something that we're upset about, that he decided to return today. We're going to rejoice. If if we have a relationship with Jesus, we're going to rejoice. We're going to be excited. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then there is time for that. Just as you saw, Bella has professed her faith. Matt walked up to me earlier and showed me one of the youth who has professed their faith in Christ. And so it's exciting to see all of these people recently who have decided to become followers of Jesus. And if that's you this morning, as we're reading this scripture, and you know I want to be a part of this, I want to be a part of this celebration in the end, then you can be. If you have put your faith in Christ, then his, what he did on the cross is able to save us from our sins. He paid the punishment and the debt that we owed to God for the sins that we have committed. And Jesus paid that for us. And, but we have to accept that payment on our behalf. We have to become followers of Jesus in order to be saved. And so I encourage you this morning, if you haven't done that, to do that. The reason we are looking at um, Revelation is pretty simple. Uh, The reason we're looking at Revelation is because as the discipleship team, we have been looking at um, what the Bible says are the most important things for a church to do and for individual followers of Jesus to do. 
And the Bible really gives five or six, depending on how you categorize some things, um, functions of the church, that every church should do these things. And it's, uh, if I forget one, someone just help me out. It's worship, evangelism, discipleship, fellowship, and ministry or missions, or ministry and missions if you have six. Uh, ministry missions being one for most people. And so what we have to see is, is that worship, the first one I mentioned, is the umbrella under which everything else falls. Because uh, when we get to heaven, is missions still going to exist? No. Evangelism? No. There won't be a need for that anymore. And, and, but will there be worship? Absolutely, for the rest of all time. And so um, worship, as we've talked about, can mean many things. It means you doing something that shows God what he's worth. Not that God needs us to do that. Uh, he is sufficient in and of himself, but he is a God of relationship. He is a God who desires to be in relationship. He created us for his pleasure, according to Revelation 4.11, which we'll be looking at a little bit later. By his will and by his purposes, we were created. And so he desires to have a relationship with us. And inside of that relationship, anytime we come into the presence of someone who is, well, the only person that we can come into the presence that meets this is God. But when we come into the presence of God and his holiness and his majesty and all of those things, all we can do is worship. Because we're going to be filled with such a sense of awe as his creature, as his creation we're going to be filled with such a sense of awe that the only thing we can do in the presence of God is to worship. Whether that's falling down on our faces and just not being able to say anything because of the, the overwhelming sense of his holiness. Or whether we're coming into his presence and we're singing the song that Elizabeth was just singing that we will be reading parts of later on in this, uh, in this book of Revelation. And so whatever the case... I want to encourage you and challenge you as we're reading this to make sure that, first of all, that you have a relationship with Jesus, that you will get to be a part of this celebration. Uh, second of all, I want to make sure that if you are a follower of Jesus, that you uh, pay attention to what's going on here because we can begin to worship right now. We don't have to wait until heaven to worship. We can worship now. We can come into the presence of God in, in a lesser sense now, and it will be revealed in a fuller sense later, he, God, will be revealed in a fuller sense later, but we can come into his presence now, and we can worship him now. We don't have to wait, and then the last thing for those of you who are already Christians that I want you to think about is, don't we want more people to know him, to be able to worship him, to be able to have this experience that we're about to read about? Okay. I think the answer is yes. And I heard some amens. In Revelation, this is going to be the introduction to Revelation. Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. This is what we're told. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. So this is what Jesus told him and what Jesus allowed him to see. And we're going to hear more about what that means in just a moment. 
verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. For the time is near. John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Now, I'm going to pause there and just explain. He st- so those first three verses of the introduction. Then he, start, he begins to transition into a time where John, is, we're going to look at the words he says before the letters. Uh, but he's going, within the book of Revelation, there are letters to these churches mentioned here in verse 4 um, that Jesus himself sent through John to these churches. These are the words that Jesus had for them. And we're not going to read all of those letters, but those letters are incredible. And they're, they're convicting, they're challenging, and I encourage you, if you have time, to read them all. We don't have time this morning to read the entire book of Revelation, so I will be hopping around. But uh, I encourage you to read those letters. But let's continue to read. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. If you just listen to Elizabeth sing, then that sounds familiar. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. So first, who is the one who is and who was and who is to come? Yeah, it's, it's God the Father. And we're going to see that he is going to mention Jesus in just a moment. And then, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Some people go back to Isaiah and use a prophecy there. And, and they think that this is connected to that. And that is very possible. Another possibility is that, that seven is a complete number. And this is just a way of saying the perfect spirit, the Holy Spirit. And so, but he says these, who's surrounded by the seven spirits, verse 5, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings on earth. And so we see here the, I believe, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, that would be Jesus, and, make us, and made us a kingdom. Priest to his God and to Father, and, and Father, sorry. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And so we, this is a, a verse that's, uh, or a phrase that is repeated throughout the Bible, um, whether it is in Exodus 19, where we're called a kingdom of priests, or First um, Peter chapter 2, where we're called a kingdom of priests, and then in other places, like mentioned here, we, a, a kingdom. God, he, Jesus has made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. And so Jesus had a job, right, when he came to earth, and it was to save man and to honor the Father, glorify the Father. And that's exactly what he has done. He has accomplished what he came to do. And, and he, in saving us, has made us a kingdom, a spiritual kingdom, priest to God the Father. So every one of us have a responsibility to not just worship God ourselves, and by, by Jesus we can enter into the throne room, right? We can enter into the presence of God through Christ. Um, without him, we don't want that. We don't want to try to do that. We, that's not good. But through Christ, we have that privilege. And he has not only made us um, to worship him, but while we're still here on earth, he has made us to testify to others about so that we can be uh, a media, um, someone who comes in between God the Father and a lost humankind, lost people. And so it's our job to go and tell them about him. Jesus has given us that privilege to be ambassadors for him. And so, with that said, let's continue reading. And I'm, I'm going to 
go in verse 7. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of earth will well on account of him. Even so, amen. So who's going to know when Jesus returns? Everybody. And some of those people will be excited, and they will be screaming with excitement and, and, and just praise, and some will not have that same reaction when they realize that he is coming um, to, to bring things to an end. And to re- he's going to renew it, and that's really good news. The return of Jesus should be something that we're very excited about because all of this pain and all of this suffering and all of the chaos that we... Just turn on your TVs for five seconds. Just watch the news for five seconds, and you're going to know what I'm talking about. Well, Jesus one day is coming to put an end to all that. He is coming to make it all right. Everything that we messed up, everything that sin has corrupted, Jesus is going to come, and he's going to purify it, and he is going to make it right. And for those of us who have put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ, that is an exciting thing because we're tired of cancer. We're tired of backstabbing. We're tired of gossip. We're tired of pain. We're tired of depression. We're tired of all these things that a fallen world brings. We're tired of it, and, we're, and, and God is tired of it, but he's being patient for the sake of those who do not know him yet. And, but one day, he's going to return, and this is what we're told. He's going to come on the clouds he's just like that. He's going to be in our presence in a heartbeat. And then look at verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This, this is a theme throughout Revelation, that he is the one who is and who was and who is to come. He's eternal. When, when Moses asked for a name to go and tell Pharaoh who sent him, what name did God give him? I am. Not I was. <laughs> I am. The present tense. I am forever. I am eternal. I am God. I am the way, the truth, and the life, if we go a little further into the New Testament to John. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate. I am. Before Abraham was, I am. Right? And God has always existed. He exists now. He is not dead. And he will exist for an eternity. And, and that is something that comes up over and over again. And then it's, God is, is uh, not human, as you know. Uh, now Jesus, the Son, became human. For our sake, uh, he became man to save man. Um, but God the Father is to be worshipped in spirit and truth. God is a spirit. And we don't know what all that means. We don't know exactly what that looks like, right? Um, in fact, we're going to read a little bit further into Revelation, and we're going to see some descriptions of God that are just crazy. It's just that, and, and I believe that the reason is is because um, John had to have language to be able to describe the indescribable. John had to be able to put into words to give some sense of what he's seeing, and so he's doing that. Even with the, not just God, even with the angels. When he's describing the angels, he's like a, like a lion and an eagle, and a, he, he's just coming up with these terms to best describe what he's seeing, something that he's never seen before. And and, of course, it's inspired by God. It is God-breathed. What he is saying is scripture. And so it is, it is 
sufficient for us to know now what we need to know about God. Everything we need to know about him now, he is revealing through his word. And so some of these things that we're going to read about are in some very symbolic language. And the reason that 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 language has to be used is for several reasons. One is if someone got a hold of this letter from the Roman Empire and they hear what's going on, they're not going to be happy. And so there's some symbolic language for that. But also there's, there's language that's symbolic because John didn't know or no man could describe perfectly what is being seen. And so God puts things, he presents things in a way um, that we can understand them. And one of the things that we see here is that there's a lot of imagery from that time that John lived of what, how people would address a king. You would walk into the throne room, and, and if you, many of you know Caesar was considered God, just as in the Old Testament, Pharaoh was. And so you walked into the throne room, and there were ways to present yourself before the king. And there's no mistaking that if you read this, who is the king, the real king? Yeah, Jesus, God. And so with that said, we're going to hop past the letters into Revelation chapter 4. And I'm going to read Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, which is the whole chapter. And then we'll, we'll stop and we'll talk about it uh, a little bit as we go through. And this is the throne room. Uh, in Revelation chapter 4, we're seeing the throne room. So, Revelation chapter 4. After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. So, this is after he's given the letters. He's, he's now being taken into heaven. And, and the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Verse 2. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. Who sits on the throne? God the Father. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Cornelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. I mean, just try to picture this. I don't even uh, know what a Cornelian looks like, by the way. But anyway, uh, actually, I Googled it this week, so I do know. But feel free to do that. Um, but he's, he's using these precious gems to describe just how majestic this is, how beautiful this is, and he's describing it the best he can so we can understand what's going on. That the, the, This is a, obviously a king. This is someone who has all wealth at his disposal. And, and so that's what we're seeing here. It, it was a rainbow that had an appearance of an emerald. Uh, verse 4. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments. What does the white represent? Yeah, purity, the, the righteousness of Christ. And so these are people who, who have been saved with golden crowns on their head. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. Rolling thunder, as, as Elizabeth sang about. This is something that is common when we come into the presence of God is that it's, his majesty is presented in so many different ways, visually, audibly, every sense that we have is taken over by the, the glory of God. And, and so they're in these white garments with the crowns on their head. In verse 5, from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, 
which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes and all around and within, and day and night. They never cease to say, and pause. The reason I'm pausing is because if you're John, what in the world are you thinking right now? You just walked into heaven. Here's God on the throne, and apparently he can't see him in all his glory, There's, but he's seeing this glorious thing. He's seeing these gems and this rainbow and this sea of glass and all this craziness, and then 24 more people sitting on thrones and, and then oh here's these angels or these creatures or whatever they are one like this and one another like that and eyes everywhere and they never cease to say and so before you, they even say what they say I think John uh, God has gotten his attention and so whatever is about to be said John's probably anxious to hear and they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And they never cease saying it. And it doesn't get boring because they're in the presence of this God who has all of this craziness all around him. And his glory is constantly coming from him. And he's revealing more and more and more and more of himself because he's infinite and eternal. And they can't help but as they see more to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And they can't stop saying it. And sometimes we read this and we're like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. <laughs> He's always existed. That's not the way it, John's experience was. When we read Scripture, we need to be true to Scripture. We need to try to put ourselves in the place of the people who are writing it. We need to understand their surroundings. We need to understand their culture. We need to understand all of those things so that we can even know how to apply it in our present time. Because there are differences between what John is experiencing here in heaven and what we experience here in our church. But does that mean that we cannot apply these principles of worship right now before we're in heaven? Yes, we can. We're told to. We're told to sing songs. We're told to sing a new song. We're told to, for all of us to make a joyful noise. We're told, we're commanded to worship through song. And we, as we've talked about, there's a lot more ways of worship than song. But here, even though they're speaking this, even though they're, they're, it doesn't say that they're, they're singing it, but they never cease to say in this poetic way, in, in, in this very metered way holy 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 is the lord god almighty who was and is and is to come they never cease to say it and when you never cease to say something with passion there's not much between saying it and singing it and so whatever you're doing here 
when we worship God, let's worship him. When we talk about the goodness of God, let's just not say, he is good. Let's say why he's good, and let's mean it. Let's say it with some emotion and with some sincerity. Let's say it from the bottom of our hearts. Let's be like these creatures who never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. It feels good to say that. Y'all want to say it with me? All right, I'm going to say it on three. We're going to read it. We'll read it in this translation so we're all together. Or this for y'all. One, two, three. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. He is holy. And he has made us holy through his son. He has taken off our filthy rags and our unrighteous rags, and he has put on the righteousness of Christ. For those of us who have followed Jesus, for those of us who, are put our, who have put our faith in him. And when we try to come into the presence of a holy God with filth all over us, is that going to go well for us? No, just like it wouldn't go well for you if you were to walk into the White House or some other place covered in mud or something. And this is way worse than mud. This is sin. And if we, without Jesus, try to come into the presence of the Father, our sin cannot live in his presence. Our sin cannot dwell there. Nor would we want it to. Because if, if sin could live, live in the presence of God, then heaven's just going to come as corrupt as earth. Because if sin can come into heaven just freely, when, when the new heaven and the new earth come, as we're going to talk about, not this week, but next week, if sin is allowed there, then what's going to be different eventually from what we're living in now? The pain, the sickness, the, the despair, the just wickedness will all be back. Therefore, God cannot allow sin into heaven. He will judge all sin. But he's made a way through Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Right? That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And remember, Jesus did not come to condemn the world. The world was already condemned. Our sin condemns us. He came to do what? To save the world. And so we put our faith in Jesus. We put our trust in him. Verse 9, and whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. And so the creatures Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And the 24 elders, they won't in on this worship. And so they fall on their faces. And remember, these are the ones sitting on the thrones. They have crowns. And what do they do with these crowns? They cast them at the feet of Christ. They, they cast them at the feet of the Father. They say, we're not king, you're king. Here's our worship. 
And they have to get into this uh, saying or singing also. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive all glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were existed and created. And so this worship is constantly flowing before the throne. Now, there are other people in heaven doing other things. This is these, these people, this is their job. This is what they do. And this is a great job, by the way, to be that close to the glory of God and to constantly see his beauty and his glory radiating from right there, and you get to be there. This isn't a boring job. This is what they can't help but to do this because they're in the presence of such a glorious God. And, and we have other things talked about in the Bible about what heaven will be like. And so it's not just this, but this is incredible, and this is something we should pay attention to. And then in Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 14, we see the scroll and the lamb. And we see John, and, and I don't have time to read all this, but we see John who comes into, the, he's there in the throne room, and someone says, who is worthy to open the scroll? And this scroll in Revelation chapter 5, or scrolls, it, it represents the, the end of time, that all that's wrong can be made right, that all of us get to be where John is right now. And when no one is found worthy to open the scroll, John begins to weep. And the elder walks up to him and says, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he looks for the lion, and behold, there was one as a lamb who had been slain. And so he sees Jesus. Jesus, the one that we persecuted, the one that we mistreated, the one that we killed, who was a lamb who had been slain. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And, and, and then, i, I got to read this. This is just, I mean, it's all really, really good, by the way. It's my favorite part of Scripture. But in verse 9 of Revelation chapter 5, they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and every language and every people and, and, and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. He has saved people, and this is at the end. At that time, he will have saved people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation, from all peoples all, all, all over the earth. And so what should our passion be right now as, yes, praising God, singing songs of praise to him, worshiping him, trying to put ourselves in a place where we can truly see even just a taste and an ounce of his beauty and his glory. Yes, we should do that. But we can't just sit here and do that all by ourselves all day long. There are, are people out there who need Jesus. There are people out there that if they don't know him by the time he comes back on the clouds, whatever that means, if they don't know him, they're going to spend an eternity separated from him. They're going to have to pay for their sins because they never accepted Jesus' payment for their sins. And we don't want that. And we want to, to know that when there are people in heaven singing from every tribe and every tongue and every nation, when he has saved the people from all over the earth, that we got to play a part in that. And we live in a very special time where access to the nations is at our fingertips. It's literally on the other end of a, the internet. We just type an email. It's literally, we can get on a plane and go somewhere and be there the same day or the next day around the world it's literally 
we can walk onto the campus at UA Fort Smith and see the nations. We can go up the road a little bit to Fayetteville and see the nations. We can go up to New York, as some of us have done this last year, and see the nations. We can walk through communities where there's not even English spoken, or very little of it. The road signs are not in English. We can walk through those communities right here in our own country because, yes, we're to go to the nations, but God has been gracious and has brought the nations to us. And so we are to go and tell our neighbors. We are to tell the people we work with. We are to tell the people we go to school with. We're to tell everybody that we come into contact with about the goodness of Jesus. We're to tell them, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. We're to tell them about his goodness and what he has done for us and what his word says that he has done for all people. And we're to tell them about his glory and his goodness because if they don't know, if they don't know, they won't get to experience them for this for themselves. I love reading about this. I love getting to vicariously live through John's experience. But I'm ready for the day where I get to experience this. I'm ready for the day where I get to see God in his glory. I'm ready for the day where I get to look and behold the lamb who had been slain. The lion of the tribe of Judah. I'm ready to be the one singing, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open the seals for you were slain and by your blood... You ransom people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Verse 11, Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing." And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. I'm ready for that myself. I don't want to just read about it. I want to experience it. And by God, by the grace of Christ, one day I will. And you can too, right? If you have a relationship with him, you will. Not because of your goodness, not because of anything that you have done, but because of the righteousness of the lamb who has been slain. And so praise God, we get to experience that one day. All right, I didn't get anywhere near where I wanted to in Revelation, but that's just good stuff. And so next week, we'll pick up where I left off and we'll also participate in the Lord's Supper. And here at our church, we invite Anyone who has professed their faith in Jesus Christ and who has been baptized, we, we, if you don't have to just be a member of our church. It's, for, it's open for anyone who is a Christian, but we, we do say, ask this, that you be in right standing with God, that you take this seriously, that you don't just come next week and just nonchalantly take the Lord's Supper with us, that you would be considering it. Considering your standing with God, your relationship with God. And if you have a relationship with God, praise God. Are you in right fellowship with Him? Are there things in your life that you need to prepare and confess this week so that when we come, we are prepared for the Lord's Supper next week? So where do you stand with God? That's a question for you right now, not to, not to just wait. Where do you stand with God? If you don't have a relationship with Him, that can change this morning. You can put your faith in Him. 
If you don't know what that means, if you need help understanding what I'm talking about, then I'll be standing right here and you can come and talk to me. Or we could talk after the service. You'll have to grab me before someone else does, but we could talk after the service. Or we could talk anytime. You just get in touch with me. Or maybe you're in here and you are a Christian, and somehow it happens to all of us. Somehow you've lost sight of God. And when you hear, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, it doesn't come out of you as this overwhelming sense of praise. It, it just kind of sputters out of you as something you know, but you don't feel it right now. You're not in it right now. You, 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 you're, it's a confession of faith, but it's all you have. Maybe there's something going on in your life right now where God is, is pruning you where God himself is allowing things to happen in your life for your good. And it might not feel like good, but it's for your good. Or maybe you're in here right now and you're experiencing pain because of sin in your life, things that you have done and you know you've done them, and God is allowing pain to come into your life or sickness or, or uh, discipline in some way to come into your life. You respond to God in whatever way he's leading. If you need to get right with him, get right with him this morning. If you need to pray for someone else who you desire to see in heaven one day, then come to the altar and pray for them. Pray for yourself, pray for them, pray for the ends of the earth. Let's pray now, and we'll have our invitation. Lord, we love you. Hey, God, I just pray that as we look in Revelation and we see these songs that were sung to you, I pray that you would give us an overwhelming sense of your presence, that we would be able to worship you in the same way, Lord, here on earth, and that one day that every one of us in this room will, will be ready to be presented to you by the righteousness of Christ in your throne room, Lord, that we would all get to worship you freely one day in heaven. And if there's someone in here right now who doesn't have a relationship with you, who needs that, I pray that you would fix that today, that you would draw their heart to you and that they would call out to you for salvation. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.